Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Another week, another day. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. I don't think we, we say that enough, but thanks for uh, joining us week in and week out. A lot of exciting things going on, and uh, we are headed to Des Moines, Iowa next week, Mr. Edge. Going to be yep. there for a couple couple days at the uh, Summer Type Conference, whatever show that... National Junior Show. National Junior Show uh, in Des Moines. So if you're in the pig arena, uh, we're going to be there not doing anything crazy, not going to have a booth, but we're going to enjoy the show. We've got some meetings set up for incredible things we've got working. Uh, as you know, we've always got something going on. Uh, trying to make this deal as big and as best as we possibly can for you guys. Uh, by the way, the apparel line is kicking into full gear. Lots and lots of planning. We've developed a focus group. Uh, we've got quite the production going on behind the scenes to get you guys some incredible stock talk gear. Like nothing like you've ever seen before. So This is true. And, and nice play on words, by the way. Uh, I enjoyed that apparel. And full gear, you know, you can get your full gear, your stock talk gear here. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have it ready to, uh, to unveil to the public, but it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Uh, how was your weekend, buddy? Have you caught up on sleep? BLE, oh. uh, I saw a bunch of comments said it was one of the best ran shows a lot of people had ever been to. Uh, congrats, man. Appreciate it. It was absolutely exhausting. Uh, but you know what? I turn around and do it again this weekend because um, I learned a hell of a lot, uh, a lot, a lot. Grew up even more so this weekend and uh, took a lot of mental notes. Got up really early than the that Monday morning. We had to clean out the barns and stuff. But I just sat and drank my coffee and reflected on what was going on and uh, what just happened. But you know, that was the first big jackpot show that somebody parked you. Usually you show up and you back up to the barn and you can show wherever. Uh, the sheep and goat folks, that was the very first time they've ever heard that happening, period. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we had sheep and hogs one on Saturday and then goat and hogs on Sunday. In order for that to work, we had to strategically plan a way for parking and there was folks that weren't happy about it, but at the end of the day, they understood we had to be organized um, and it was a huge success. We had, I want to say rough numbers here, but around 400 hogs, uh, 280 sheep and around 160 to 180 goats. So, um, Georgia, West Virginia, North Carolina, Indiana, Michigan, all kinds of states showed up. So facilities were a huge hit. Uh, Holmes County fairgrounds here in Ohio is incredibly amazing. Um, and that was a big hit. I think it's going to be even bigger next, next year because, uh, people are going to need to see it. So yes, thank you for everybody's help. If you're listening to this, that helped out, couldn't do it without you had an awesome committee to work with. So Buckeye Livestock Ex Expo year one is in the books. That's cool. I, uh, I did get to see some backdrop pictures. Uh, unfortunately didn't, didn't get to make it over to Ohio, um, I shouldn't say, unfortunately, I did get to see my in-laws and That's I, nice. uh, I did catch a sheep show while I was there. There was a, there was an Illinois point show, um, uh, right, uh, right there in good old Stark County, Illinois. Nice. Uh, oh, 
I will tell you. Uh, so on Sunday, I had Ryan Rash doing uh, sorting the hogs, and then uh, Dale Hummel was doing the goat show, and I was in charge of introducing the guests because I hired them, and uh, everybody got a pretty good kick out of my introduction because uh, I introduced them where they were from, their operations, and what's neat about this, folks, is Dale Hummel and Ryan Rash both successfully run the second best podcast in the industry, and everybody <laughs> got a pretty good kick out of that. So That's pretty good. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, Dale and Ryan were a lot of fun, of course, very entertaining. Uh, but you know who I wish I would have got there. And next year, we're going to budget this in is Walton. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, now, uh, I mean, if you want to have a live show and hire somebody to capture the show, who else are you going to hire? Yeah. Besides Walton? We're going to do Walton next year. At least we're going to try like the Dickens. Uh, but uh, the reason we're doing that is because Walton lets you see livestock like you've never seen it before. They're at all the big ones. Um, and if you have a major event, you can certainly hire them to cover it. If you, if they were at an event that you would love to see, um, check out the archives of waltonwebcasting.com and sort through all of their different shows. All the cyberstock shows are... Junior National, National is going on right now, big time. They're they're at quite a few of those. So if you're wanting, if you're in the house or in a state where you uh, aren't able to exhibit, check check out Walton and uh, get yourself oh, a nice subscription. There. They have Walton Webcasting Live now, and that is just the broadcasts on Facebook. So there's no ads to sort through or on the road with Greg's to sort through, which we all love to do that anyway. But it's strictly where they're all their broadcasts now. So oh my. a little bit more organization. So Good stuff, cool stuff. Love our folks at Walton. Um, have you, have you uh, been buying any bread gilts, Trev? Oh, I've got, uh, well, I want to speak too soon, but Emily and I are working on the next step of life uh, being not, not to live in town, not in a hurry, but we may have found something. And that is the first thing that my mind went to was I cannot wait to start buying some bread gilts. So where would you, where would you, besides going to like people's sales, uh, you know, at, at their places, where, where would you go? Probably I'd probably go to John Yoder down the road. He's got some nice uh, waddles, red waddles that I'd like to get started with. John Yoder, John Yoder.com. Yeah. Oh, you mean showpig.com. Bingo. Oh there. yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, I was doing some research, uh, use livestock equipments on there. So I was trying to get an idea of how much that stuff would cost. Uh, and that's on showpig.com, bread gilts, baby pigs. That's where I'll be selling them. So big plans all of a sudden, uh, but don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. Got to get to place first, but I'm sure if you're listening and you have a farm, you need to get to showpig.com to purchase all that. And we've also got another great supporter show cattle connection, uh, don't forget, uh, you show cattle enthusiast, whether you're selling or buying, Show Cattle Connection is the place to do it. Very fresh, new, and clean. An amazing, I think he said he has over a dozen ambassadors to help you out. So choose one yeah. and hitch your wagon to that one. Yeah, very, very good things they got going on there. Uh, if I was a, if I had an entry for the Summertime Conference, and I wanted the people to know more people than just on Facebook to know that I had an entry for summertime conference. 
that I thought was, you know, worth, worth taking. Mm-hmm. I'd probably sub, you know, get that 18,000 oh, email list and just idea. blast it out, you know, the week before to get people pumped up. Well, you know, they have the summer special now cause you get the jumbotron and the e-blast. Oh, now you're talking. So check that thing out. Yeah, check it out. Anyway. Um, yeah, it, things have been crazy, uh, here at, at uh, Edge Club Lambs, um, you know, I think if I just say it on air, maybe it'll happen faster. Uh, but uh, and and I say that because Edge Club Lambs will will probably be becoming Edge Livestock here. Oh, for too long. Um, Don't say. We do have uh, you know confirmed pregnant recip cows. Um, I, I'm still. I just I gotta twist my wife's arm. Every once in a while, but I, I think uh, think I might uh, might be getting into uh, owning some sows. Not that not that I have the facilities for them, but you know I want to I want to uh, dive into the the show pig deal. It's uh it's kind of crazy, kind of crazy things going on. But um, I just was telling telling you, Trevor, before we hopped on air that reorganize the show barn. Yes, I want to see before and afters. Well, at yeah, least afters. I, you're going to see afters because, uh, you know, at uh, eight o'clock this morning when the feed feed semi showed up, I just kind of unloaded and got to work. So it wasn't wasn't anything extravagant, I guess, as far as, you know, making sure people knew that I was doing stuff today. But, um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, the old Bobcat, I tell you what, if anybody out there has a used Bobcat, I personally don't even care how many hours on it, as long as it's newer than like 1985 and the hydraulic system works well and the bucket's not rusted out and been patch welded 12 times. Um, hit me up because, uh, boy, the, the old, the old gal was struggling today to get, uh, get things scooped out of the box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? It was, uh, it was an interesting deal. A lot of things but, happen at edge club lambs. Livestock, yeah. whatever. I like whatever. It. Yeah. Hell on wheels is out breeding use. Nice. Got a bunch of semen put up. I don't know. I'm just doing all kinds of free ads for myself right now. Do so. it, man. That's what we're here Change for. The subject if you want. Uh really excited uh to learn about uh, another podcast. Yes, I think this is number seven if I counted right. Yeah, yeah. Uh the the keep keeper pin. The keeper pin. Is that what they're calling it? That's the keeper pin. Keeper pin. Yeah. Jenna uh, Wheeler, Maddie Caldwell, the duo. Maddie Caldwell. You know, uh, have you, so like Barstool obviously has multiple podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you listened to, well, I don't know if they're part of Barstool anymore. It's Call Me Daddy, I think is what it's oh called. Oh my. Yeah. They're, they're top three podcasts on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking. I mean, it's funny stuff. Yeah. Not for, you know, it's very much like PG 13 and, and above, probably above. Probably, probably above. rated R and some, yeah. yeah, definitely. Anyway, but uh, if you're, if you're of age and you want to listen to that, uh, it is comical. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, going to be exciting to have some, uh, some women voices out there. Yeah. Yep. Take, getting after it. Anyway, looking forward to, uh, we got all kinds of stuff in the works right now, Kirky. I know. Just... Not, not to, I mean, my mind kind of gets, when I drive, my mind goes crazy, and you're the first to know that, but 
there were some text messages sent today and some phone calls made that got me pretty darn excited. So yeah, yeah. Let's just say that. Let's just let's just keep things. Some of which is our apparel line that we just mentioned, and yes, that is done hugely in part two, mostly done by all of it is done by fierce threads <laughs> hugely partly all of it yeah none of that made hugely. sense but i was going to say do in part by and the only reason it's not their part is we just give them designs and then they put it on an amazing yeah 100 percent of the time they do 100 percent of the work yes <laughs> yes so fierce threads uh, is who we're talking about and you know that hats off uh, is sponsored by Fierce Threads and the Big Paul Lifestyle. Um, got some seriously awesome apparel and hats and just all kinds of knickknacks with Big Paul Lifestyle. Um, check that deal out if you haven't already for every species available. Fierce Threads, if you've got um, your new and improved logo or if you've got a farm that you'd like to slap on some cool Richardson hats or sweatshirts or T-shirts, Fierce Threads can do that for you. Fierce-threads.com or the Big Paul Lifestyle. Check them out on Facebook, social media. They do an excellent job at that. So we're about to do some hats off, Corey. Well, I'm really glad we got this jingle. Uh, it's pretty fun. So uh, hats off this week. You know, I got to really thinking about hats off. But my hat goes off to you brand loyal show supply guy I don't care what brand you use the fact is is these businesses need more people like you you know whether that be you just you've got the show box the aerosol sprays the conditioners everything you name it you buy it all from the same place good for you man yeah for you. you uh you you're you're the reason that these businesses thrive so uh yeah people that are brand loyal Heck goes off to you. If you're Stock Talk loyal, let us know. I mean, I think there's other great podcasts out there, but you know, if we're it for you, hey, we love you. Yeah, I like the brand loyalists. I like. I'd like to know what, what if you're talking to somebody specific, or is this just like a thought that popped in your head? Or you know, I I actually got to look in. Uh, what you know, I I was talking earlier about cleaning out the show barn and. And uh, reorganizing and kind of getting things looking like they need to look, and uh, I started kind of looking through our show box, and we, I mean, we got well, we got stuff from everywhere, and <laughs> and that's okay, you know, you you use what you like, uh, you use what you know, and then I got to thinking like, I'm sure that there's people out there that have the matching show box, and all the supplies they get come uh, have the same have the same sticker on them, and uh, you know, I I just think that. My hat goes off to those guys that that uh, that can do that because, yeah, good for them. Yeah. Okay, I like that was a good one. Yeah. All right this this week my hat goes off to somebody that I don't know. I'm not sure anybody knows, but it's one specific person. Oh. The inventor of the sort board. Oh. Not just like the guy who takes an OS piece of an OSB and like drills a hole in it to hold. I'm talking the lightweight, plastic molded, nice, durable, big sort boards. And better yet, the guy who 
invented the hinge down the middle that you we call them flapper gates. At least Kevin Wick calls them flapper gates. You can like pin them into a corner. But at the Buckeye Livestock Expo, those were an absolute lifesaver. And I just got to thinking, like, I'm not sure the guy or the girl who invented this, but that's one smart cookie. Because they thought person that I don't know. Yeah, they thought, let's do away with this splinter having piece of crap plywood. You can't you can't paint farm logos on those on those things. Though. You can get a nice sticker made though. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. So I'm just saying, the inventor of the sort board, man or or lady, kudos to you. My hat is way off to you, my friend. Hmm. Friend, friend that doesn't even know you. Uh, that's cool. I like I like that. It's a different different avenue. Good stuff. This might, uh, this could forever change how we do hats off now. Ah. We, could, we could be taking our hat off to people who have no idea who we are and we have no idea who they are, but we mutually know something about, you know, what at least they do. Yes. Yeah. Like, it would be like me saying, like, my hat goes off to the person that invented, you know, the airplane propeller. <laughs> yeah. For, keep, for, keep, for keeping <laughs> us in the air. Until we develop jet engines, like thank you, you you really took flight to another level. Uh, what is it, Wilbur? Wil- Wilbur Wright. Wright. Thanks, yeah, bud. The the Wright brothers, famous. Uh, they do have a little place in Indiana, uh, uh, the Wilbur Wright uh, Museum. See, I they must have been everywhere because North Carolina claims they're the state of first flight, oh, which really? relates to our guest today, and then. They were the Wright brothers were born in Ohio, so I think they just kind of put their brand in as many places as possible. So that's that's how you got to do it, I think. So, but speaking of North Carolina, Corey, uh, there's one quote that I think you may see again, and it was the title of this episode: "Eat with your eyes." Mm. There's nothing that makes uh, makes me feel more comfortable in my own skin them relating to somebody that also has a fascination with food and really not caring if they're chubby or not. I love it. <laughs> and that person just happens to be today's guest, Brent Jennings. What an awesome guy, an awesome episode, an incredible accent, a great evaluator. Let's just get him on here. Welcome to the show, Mr. Brent Jennings. Well, uh, we're back in our sheep arena, Corey. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, it's hard to find um, some sheep conversation, but I'm glad we got the guy here to talk to. Brent Jennings is with us this week uh, to talk a little bit more, not just sheep, but we're going to uh, jump on some other topics. Got to chat with him there at the Buckeye Livestock Expo uh, pretty briefly. But Brent, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, we're looking forward to chatting with you. If you could, just give us a little bit of background about yourself and where you're from and all that. You bet. Well, first, thank you guys for having me on today. I appreciate that opportunity. Um, And I was born and raised native North Carolinian. I was born uh, in the far northeast corner of the state. Probably most people know up towards Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, up towards the ocean there. And uh, spent my childhood there. Uh, We we got involved with the livestock. My parents, I was a typical 
4-H kid. I mean, I was very, uh, very Freddie 4-H, I guess you would say, however you want to call it. But uh, I got involved in 4-H right straight in kindergarten. My mom was a high school science teacher and had a student that uh, was showing sheep and got me involved. And uh, from there, the wheels just kept turning. My dad was uh, was very engaging as well. He had a livestock background, not necessarily the show industry, but understood livestock. So got involved with that and uh, just took off. And, and from there, I uh, started raising sheep about uh, somewhere around 10, 12 years old. We started a small flock of sheep and then uh, was on a, a 4-H judging team and, and was fortunate with that to be uh, fairly successful within North Carolina. And then uh, then went on to, uh, I met Chris Mullenix up at a contest in Maryland there when I was in high school. Went to Butler, spent a couple years out there and then came back, uh, finished up my undergrad and master's degree at NC State and never left. I, I met my my future wife here and uh, and just kind of figured it was a good place to be. And, and so uh, I got I was fortunate to gather a job here at NC State and uh, been here almost 15 years here coming this fall. So it goes wow. quick, but uh, kind of a quick synopsis there. We're raising a few sheep still and uh, got a couple goats for the boys there. I got two boys at home now that spend a lot of time showing and uh, raising a few sheep and goats. You don't judge many shows, do you either? Well, it's, uh, I, I tell you, my, if you ask my wife, I, I guess it, picking up more and more. I, I, the last few years, I, I don't know why. I have a hard time saying no. And, uh, man, I enjoy it. People, uh, I guess it's just my, my funny accent. I, people like to listen to me talk. <laughs> or something. I'm not sure. But it's important to get two or three. It, it, must be, it must be something to, you know, we get uh, – we had Gary Childs on and everybody talks about his accent and, you know, being from Georgia there. And, and just, I think it's maybe we need to venture into more, you know, I don't know when we're going to get an Australian on, but I think if we did, we might, you know, generate some clickbait there a little bit uh, just by, by people with accents, I guess. But uh, Brent, the real reason we had you on is because of, of obviously uh, your talent in the ring and, and being from somebody from the East coast, like you are, um, and kind of making a national name for yourself is something that I don't think a lot of people on that side of the, the, uh, uh, the world can say, uh, there, there is some really, really talented people out there. Um, so I don't want no offense to anybody that may be listening on the East coast, but, uh, but Brent, you're one of those guys that, that really obviously traveling West and heading to Kansas, uh, to Butler there. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to, uh, a lot to be said about, kind of taking some chances and going somewhere different. Um, you can always come back home. So um, that being said, uh, let's let's talk about uh, kind of your weekend. So I didn't have a chance to go to the Buckeye Livestock Expo, unfortunately. Um, I was visiting my in-laws, so didn't make it to a sheep show. So I guess, uh, you know, a win's a win there. But uh, tell us a little bit about how it was, uh, judging from from my perspective. I didn't really get to to see much of the show. So how, how was things in Ohio? Well, I, I tell you, it was it was really good. It, the quality was, uh, man, is off the charts. You know, it was. Uh, I guess it's the second show I've done in the last since maybe everything shut down back in March. And I, uh, I did a, a jackpot show over in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, and uh, they were good. So it's the first sheep show I've done in a while. And man, to jump into pretty fast currents there, it seemed <laughs> like from the beginning of the day and. Uh, you know that you always have expectations of Ohio and what the quality is going to bring, and I guess in in any state now, when you get the opportunity to go around to several of them, 
you expect the top end to be good, but you don't ever know how deep it's going to be. And I probably would say that's what made that show unique was not only was the top end very good, but the depth of quality was deep in the classes and uh, each one of those breeds. And, you know, I, I like that about the way y'all do it is you do have a lot of different breeds there allows kids an opportunity to show and maybe reason aren't as competitive as others. And, uh, but I tell you what, they were smoking. Not every breed had a good one in there. Even, man, I was impressed with my OB sheep. That little horn uh, ramble out there. He was an awful good one too. So, I mean, it was, it was fun. It really was. Well, I was working the, the hog ring that same day, the next ring over, and I heard the word dorper come out. So I know there was a couple <laughs> of them over there. Uh, and, uh, we had a little bit of a break and I, I sat and watched a, a class, a half a class maybe. And this old boy's a pig guy, but I saw some good quality and it doesn't take uh doesn't take a, a experienced eye to know uh, what kind of horses were in that ring. And, and we had some exhibitors from, uh, from multiple States co- show up. So I was curious to see your thoughts there because uh, I was um, into the pig ring pretty heavily, but I'm glad Ohio treated you well anyway. You bet. No, it was real good. It was fun. So I guess uh, piggybacking off of that a little bit. So we talked about, uh, you know, you you have been in the ring a few times. Uh, have you have you made the full trip in, in Texas and Oklahoma yet? No, no, not at all. I mean, in Texas is a state to spend. A, it's, it's a hard one to break that boundary in. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Uh, you know, I'd done a, a jackpot show down there, one sheep show, part of that Texas Best Series a couple of years ago. And, and I'm actually headed back there uh, the end of October to do one uh, in San Angelo, part of that Texas Best. But uh, did San Angelo Goats last year. I'm headed back to San Angelo to do those things again. Um, so that, that state, that's all I've done there. Now, Oklahoma, I've done their state fair a couple of times and done, uh, I did the use there at OYE a couple of years ago. And Man, those things are uh, th- those folks down there play for play for blood for sure. I mean, that, that's a it's <laughs> it, it's a whole uh, everywhere it goes. You like I say, it's competitive, but that deal down there in Texas, Oklahoma, it, it meets the expectations as well that you would uh, you'd have going down there. But uh, yeah, getting to travel, I don't. I, you know, I was thinking about that. I wrote an article today for uh, uh, Purple Circle. It, it asked me to write an article for them, and and I was trying to think about some of the states. I've never wanted to probably keep up with it as good as some people, but I've, I've hit quite a few of them now from you getting to cover. And, and I did one in California. I've only done one out there. So that's, it's a long ways from Raleigh, North Carolina to Bakersfield, uh, <laughs> I guess. Just mm-hmm. a bit. Now, Brent, do you see, we ha- we've asked a couple of this different species, but do you see a demographic change in the style of sheep that you're evaluating? Uh, rather it be Texas, Oklahoma, than jumping back into the Midwest and maybe down the East Coast. And if there is a difference, what do some of those livestock look like? You know, I, I'd say for the Midwest, there's not a ton of difference. You know, you get in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, I mean, all the Kansas, uh, all those sheep are uh, real similar. I guess as you go in Oklahoma, I'd say it's a lot the same. When you get down to Texas, Old boys like some muscle down there. Ain't no <laughs> doubt about that. And I, and I will say that's the one thing, you know, it seems like for that state in particular, those sheep that I judge down there, I mean, they all handle good. I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't even have to touch them. You know, they're all going to handle good. And, and that probably as much as any, you know, when you went, go further West, I think uh, 
you know, with the AI thing anymore and genetics are everywhere, you look at the sheep that went in, uh, the consistency probably in the last couple of years or just from top to bottom is probably as level playing field from one part of the country to the other. I say, I'd like to tell you here in North Carolina, we got some just to, good as anybody but that that might not be true <laughs> we're trying though we're trying you bet how many how many you guys run so we only have about 30 uh 30 use just a small flock and uh and that kind of uh fluctuates my dad does well i would say most but he does probably 98 percent of the labor that most of the user at his place he lambs them out and does all the real grunt work and uh i'd like to say i'm the brains behind the operation but that's probably not true either i, I don't know what my <laughs> I, I have the kids, so that's what makes him keep wanting to do it. So grandkids will make a grandfather do lots of things they wouldn't necessarily do. Yeah, my dad and I were just talking about, you know, wanting to maybe cut our numbers back, you know, increase quality, obviously, and, and maybe start some sort of an aggressive flush program and still have same same amount of lambs, but maybe less use and, and uh, you know, for the longer months, it's going to be uh, probably make the manual labor part a little bit easier. So I don't blame <laughs> your dad for only wanting to have a smaller flock having to do all that work. So, uh, so I, I kind of want to, I really like this, this topic. And I was thinking about how much, um, how much I wanted to dive into it, but I, I think, you know, the level that you've evaluated livestock on, um, you know, kind of across the country, uh, we kind of know, it takes a special one to win the big stage. You know, if you're, you're at Louisville, Kansas city, stuff like that. I mean, it, it takes a really, really good one to win. Um, but maybe a little bit of a hot take here. I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see what other people's opinions are, but um, when you're evaluating, you know, sheep, that caliber, what's your opinion on the, the freak versus the complete kind of fault free one? You know, I, when I when I read that question, I, I've spent a little time pondering that one through my head just a little bit because I think if there's going to be a question that you're going to get lots of variances of opinion about, that would be it for sure. Because, uh, you know, as a judge, I will tell you that 99% of the time, every major winner I've used, I knew they were going to win when they made five steps in the ring. Mm. It wasn't a, maybe that one's good enough, maybe he's not. When they walk in the ring, you go, okay, that, that, the game's over. Everybody else is shooting for reserve now and, and that's the way it's been at every every time um so to, to say that i probably like one to have some extra bells and whistles out there a little bit I, i'm probably i'm a sucker for those extra things just like anybody is uh, but at the same time i you know i, I don't want to have any major holes to go with it i mean i don't I, you know probably the shallowest freakiest body biggest muscle one that can't move good enough it's not going to win under me i, I mean I, I probably you know just need to to be really good and out there, but not have any major, I'll accept a little bit, you know, in terms of maybe don't move just quite right, or probably always been a sucker for taking one with a shot more muscle than some guys and maybe not as pretty as, you know, some guys. So, uh, but, but when they hit you and they walk in and they got those things, I mean, it, it's awfully fitting in. So I, I don't want to seem somewhere in between, but them freaks are hard to make. I'm not going to lie. Those true freaks. But at the same time, uh, a lot of times they got a sister at home or something else and, and they may not be very good. So <laughs> consistency ain't all a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the I, truth. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And, and Trevor, I know like from the show pig perspective, like, you know, you want those things as, as kind of crazy and out there as you could make them. But, you know, you obviously, there's pieces and parts of just the basics that you got to grab a hold of, but you know, there's people out there that gravitate towards the freaks and, and, 
and that say, man, that thing was the most unique animal there. And I think as evaluators, as breeders, as, as feeders, that's the hardest thing, you know, to, to gauge. Cause if you, if you, if you make one, that's just completely different uh, in one area or another, or, or you're a feeder and you have that kind in your show barn or you're an evaluator and you see that one hit the ring, you kind of have to like step back a little bit and say, man, is this thing, is this thing's freak pieces outweighing its, its faults? And, and I think that's the big challenge. And kind of why I wanted to ask that question is, is to kind of get both of your opinions really Trevor, I kind of would like to hear your side of it too. Well, it's interesting you say that, and I love this question because I thought two things immediately. One, I think the age of the evaluator and the stage that person is on will dictate if they play it safe or if they might as well use the freak. Um, in my shoes, I love when they're hard to make and you find those, and I call those freaks. And when you, got, when you get a chance to evaluate a freak, it's almost an honor. Uh, because they are so out there and so neat to look at. More times than not, though, I've found that that comes in the market arena. If you're judging breeding sheep, breeding heifers, gilts, does, whatever, those are the complete, very sound, comfortable, fault-free animals. The freak term on in the breeding ring is maybe... How can she have that much power but still be sound? That's freaky. Where in the market arena, it's holy crap, look how dense that one's bone is, how stout his head is, but yet, you know, still puts it in a pretty package. That that can be freak. So I think it depends on what you're evaluating. Uh, and to go back on the age of the evaluator thing, um, you know, if I were to jump on the big stage, um, you know, my opinion it's that on that given day. And if I go with the freak, I'm going to go with the freak, but a different opinion may go on that. And if it's an experienced guy who's been on the big stage every single year, they're not going to think twice about what, what they want to do. Whereas, you know, somebody first time on the big stage, will they use the freak or will they play it safe with the complete one? I don't know. That's just my thought. But well, when the freaks walk out, I love what Brent said. It's five steps and uh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, that one, that one's, that one's tough because there's a lot of times where, you know, you use the complete, you know, the complete piece of livestock, and then you sit there and like, boy, the one and third is just different, mm-hmm. and and then you kind of talk about them, and maybe you kind of talk yourself out of maybe you're like, man, should I put that one third? I don't know, but you know, you get yourself in those situations. I think as evaluators, and it gets a little challenging, so. I think that's uh, what makes of, it fun, though. You know, yep. if if you have the freak and you know you, especially like in this jackpot deal, Brent, I'm sure you've seen too, where, you know, you come in one week and then the next week it's completely different. And that freak may have been third under under you because that wasn't your type of freak. Everybody, you know, the freak isn't the same thing. So that's what makes this wheels turn on, on this bus is, uh, you know, although we call one freaky, your freak and my freak may be completely different. So, <laughs> Brent, what's your what's your advice if something you know the five stepper? What 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 do they got to have that first kind of three quarter chest shot coming right at you? Yeah, you know, for me anymore, you know, these sheep in particular are goats either one. You know, I love to stand and watch them just walk in. You know, be at that 15, 20 foot away and just watch them come. 
uh, when, when their heads are up and they got that old cobra neck sitting up off the top of their shoulders and chest floors where it needs to be and shoulders laying there right. And then, man, you bring some extra power. I mean, that that's uh, all the extra bells and whistles go with it. But when you shove one's chest floor up in him and, and you get that shoulder blade still out with chest floor width and, uh, and make them cool looking from the side and they balance and then, you know, we, we talk about, you hear all the guys talking about these days, these things got to get around skeletally. I mean, they're, that's, uh, you know, and we're doing all these things to these animals, which, uh, you know, making their, their chest full changing their shoulders and making their necks stick up high and all them things ain't necessarily the way the good Lord made them. So when we do that, it makes it pretty challenging to do that and keep it in a skeleton where the legs go into angles you want them to and their knees ain't pointed straight out. And I mean, you know, they, everything lays in. And, and so that's what, to me makes those freaks as much as anything not only is the fact that they are built with a lot of shape and look and balance and trim but then they can get out and go they mm-hmm. just got a set of wheels under them that they can get out and travel and i think uh you know for years you've heard the hog guys preach that and now uh you know, for a lot of years the sheep guys said oh if they can get around the ring they're sound enough you know kids yeah. drive them and it was good but now uh those real special ones they move good i can promise you that you can turn them loose and they look good yep yeah well, uh, kind of like you said too, you get to a certain level and you know, them things have enough muscle and shape and they handle right. And that's where the sort has become now in a lot of places. That's right. I agree. 100%. Guys, just pause for a second. You can pause the episode, get your phone out. If you're sitting at home, get your laptop. And right now I want you to type in Tarbell marketing and design. Take a second. Look at what you just saw. Folks, Jace Tarbell is doing next-level things, getting brands out there with incredible designs that are market-friendly and user-friendly. He can get you where you need to be. And if you've never done business with Jace and marketing and his designs, you just got 15% off. Tarbell Marketing and Designs is a wonderful partner and a huge friend of the show and are getting us where we need to be and he can be on your team too. Tarbell, marketing and design. One of the questions I, I kind of added uh, that that I'd like to touch on, and this goes back to my collegiate livestock judging days, and I, I know we have a, a large collegiate livestock judging listenership here at Stock Talk, and one of the things I wanted to bring to you as an experienced evaluator is how much does the touch and tone and feel of those lambs or goats weigh on your overall opinion of the class uh, because me personally sometimes I would get so tied up on how they fed out of their rack and out through their loin oh that one breaks there at their hip that one's not good enough whatever so maybe to the kid that's trying to find that stride in the sheep and goat classes what does that weigh on the overall thought process of sorting them out that's that's a good question I'll tell you this so in the last couple of years, I've been fortunate to serve as an official at some of these judging contests. I got to do Louisville last fall, served at Denver this uh, back in January, did Phoenix the year before last. And I've been amazed at how good some of these evaluators are now in the collegiate level, just from a standpoint of not only their ability to evaluate livestock, but uh, the, the oil reasons is uh, way, way surpassed what I could ever do. So I, I enjoy listening to those and, and hearing their perspective. But what I would tell you is, and if people as a general rule of thumb, whether we like it or not, and I, I like 
as big a guy as I am, I love to watch the Food Network and I love to watch them guys cooking. And one of the first things I always say is you eat with your eyes first, you know, and, and mm. whether you believe that or not, you do. I mean, and I feel like that's the same way with the sheep or judging goats is, uh, man, if they don't suit your eye, you're not really paying that close of attention when you handle them, you know, and uh, so from that perspective, uh, they, they need to suit you from a visual, from the outside. And then when you come and you handle them, I think those are the things that help set the bar, but certainly not the major criteria to start with for me, at least. And I, cause particularly these jackpot shows this time of the year, the, the ones that are handling 100% ideal are probably too fat right now for a baby anyway. So, I mean, if, if they handle that good, there's probably a problem with that. Maybe not genuine or something like that. Um, but so I, I would be careful, uh, you know, where versus judging them sheep like last year at Phoenix, some people, you know, you know, those sheep were way mature, you know, they're, they're probably a little fatter. I mean, I used some that were probably fatter than some people would like, but uh, to me, they, they were acceptable still. So there's lots of variance in that. And depending on the time of the year and where you're judging and, size of the sheep and those different things can all weigh into it for sure. Studying fat deposition and market lambs, I feel like is something that uh, on a, from a collegiate livestock judging perspective, people struggle with a bunch. And as it relates to the show ring though, there's so many different ways folks can, can harden fat and, and manipulate it to where it's, it's so smooth and lays on them. Right. And, and, you know, that's, you know, side conversation, but what, what, you know, what's your thoughts on, on, you know, getting them fat versus maybe a skinnier one. And so used to, it didn't, I didn't think about it that much until I had kids that started showing. And when there's a difference between starting showing and starting showing, trying to be competitive, <laughs> because once you try to be competitive, you have to understand what all them guys are doing and it brings you to a new light. And not only in, and you're exactly right. I mean, you see it across species for years. I mean, the hogs, we got to get some fat on them and then shape them up. You know, there's products. And, and, and even in these sheep, I mean, I think uh, the truly special ones are probably too fat. In most instances, if you ask the commercial guy, uh, they're probably fatter than they need to be. Um, but man, I, I'm a little fatter than I need to be. So I'm not going to get too critical on them because I, I don't mind it as, some, as, as much as some people because I just tell you, it's, it's no secret that when you get one a little fatter and you take that and you harden them up, man, the pieces just blend together so much better. I mean, now I know when you, you, you go to certain places, and again, I'd say there's certain states that you can see livestock that are just a little trimmer, a little harder handling. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm not opposed to that at all. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. But if you bring me a good one that's got some extra, a little much on him, and but he handles firm up top, and man, he's got a good crisp loin edge in him still, and I, I'll, man, I'll take a little extra on one. I'm probably not going to be that, but I like a good belly and a good sweep to the rib and a flank in one. So to get that, a lot of times you got to get them a little fatter yep. to get the flank and underline to read like you want them to. Yeah, talked to a few guys here this spring, and and you know with all these virtual shows and and maybe. You know, a lot of people not knowing when their first show is going to be, they're like, let's just get these things as fat as we can get them. And then when it's go time, we'll get them, you know, we'll get them handling right. And so that's uh, kind of an interesting conversation, I guess, for, for those folks out there, maybe wanting some feeding tips. Don't ask me. I'm, I go ask somebody else. <laughs> it's a lot better at it than I am, but, but uh, there, there is certainly ways to uh, accomplish those things and, and kind of get that smooth handle and whatnot. But yeah, I, uh, 
kind of like those comments too. So Corey, the oh, virtual shows is a good point though, because that is the most challenging thing I've ever judged in my life. I've yeah. volunteered and did a couple of them and I was asked to do several this spring. And that is a, man, that's a bigger challenge than anybody ever expected. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. no doubt. Well, uh, our breakdown this week, Corey, uh, goes right along with some of the things we're talking about. So let's just jump right into a segment. All right. The breakdown is brought to you by Brad Howell Ford out of Kokomo, Indiana. If you break down, need a new vehicle, head on over to the good folks at Brad Howell Ford. They'll hook you up in that brand new Ford pickup car. It doesn't even have to be a Ford, really. You can get something used up to you. Anyway. Thanks to our folks at Brad Howell Ford. Hope to see you in Des Moines here coming up. So today's breakdown, I want to break down the show ring today and mostly in the sheep deal because that's, I think, the the focus of today's conversation. But um, so several things to break down here. For the first one is showing older, later maturing sheep. And you want to talk about some boys that know how to do that in in, in the South. Texas, Oklahoma, uh, they they have captured that as good as anybody. But what's your take on on let's break let's break down showing older sheep? Kind of want your your flavor on it. So I grew up showing, and we still to this day we show a lot of February and Marches when we're lambing sheep, and we uh, we show those at our state fair in mid October, and we have a top weight limit of one forty five. So we have to be uh, you know very aware of where those sheep are from a weight standpoint. Um, but them guys down there, man, I, you know, I was kind of a kind of hesitant on those older sheep. And uh, until you go down there and see those things in Oklahoma and Texas in March and see what them things look like, um, I, I, I'm in, man. I'll just tell you, I like them things. You know, you get a little more maturity and let them get a little bigger and, and strap on as much muscle as you can and get their skeletons right. And, I mean, we proved that across – not only, again, and I don't think it's just in sheep. I mean, I think it's a cross species when you give them some extra time to mature and let them just grow up and get some extra stoutness of feature and bone and all those things come with some extra maturity. It's the difference in taking a 13-year-old boy that weighs 240 pounds and an 18-year-old boy that weighs 240 pounds and put them against each other. Now, I'm going to tell you, that old 18-year-old is going to whoop him most times or not. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's um, uh something different trevor on what were you going to say on the i'm sure you had a i know exactly probably what you were going to say go ahead i bet you don't uh no because we've we've talked about this a couple times and uh the thing that i want to bring up that may be kind of hard to talk about is uh when these older lambs go to market we've got now the break joint and that can take away a lot from what they're worth and i've always wondered um, maybe you, maybe you know more about that side than, than what we do, but where, where do you see those market animals fitting into the industry as much as possible? I'm fully aware that the show livestock industry, the commercial industry are separate. I don't care what anybody says they are, and they're more so today than they ever been. But when we have older sheep with brake joints, what's the thought process there? So I'm, I'm probably not the meats guy to go into all that with you. I mean, but the, I will tell you, the only thing my point would be on that would be, it's just like you said, Trevor, they're so far split, the commercial versus the show industry. 
And to say that there's much alignment at all between the two, there's very minimal. I would agree with that, and particularly it's such a small uh, venue in terms of the show lamb or show goats percentage that are going into the meat market. Um, I, you know, it's I don't foresee that changing. I don't see that uh, you know as being a thing that uh, have a major impact or anything from that aspect. But uh, yeah, that one's a little bit over my head. There's lots of real smart meat guys out there that that'll get into an in-depth conversation or maybe call me out if I said something too much in-depth <laughs> on that one. So I'm going to pass that one to the next guy. Hey, so fully understand. Trevor, I thought you were going to talk about that it's not fair that the sheep people can show 13-month-old market lambs. And Well, uh, don't think people. that the pig people aren't trying to do it. I mean, <laughs> well, you know. We're getting but, pretty close. There's birthday cake <laughs> waiting for some of those gilts coming out of those rings. <laughs> there is. There is. Uh, that, that's one thing. I Do you ever think it'll get to a point where it's addressed, Brent? You know, and, and I'm not saying I'm all in on it, too. Honestly, I think the sheep look better when they're older. But, you know, some of these things that are showing, you know, 13, 14, sometimes even 15 months old. You know. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, but it, you see it in the cattle industry, too. You see steers getting their second birthday. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean it's not a... <laughs> uncommon thing across i mean it's not just sheep it's the goats i mean i mean i've seen them goats you know they were well heck them things is I mean, fair on up there you know um so maybe at some point in time but i think as long as them guys you know as long as it's been happening it's not like a new thing i guess you know right. i don't see it as being something that's changed i think more than anything is the way those people get those sheep ready it's very different and all and the, the programs that they had the, the manage those sheep and those folks know what they're doing so well you know and it's just so far different when you go Oklahoma Texas than when you go in the Midwest because they're just their show season so much different yep. you know? yeah um, you know you see those people in the Midwest you know Denver wraps up most of them you know that'd be the end for most sheep and goats in the Midwest where you got people in Texas taking them same sheep for another 60 days you know yeah um, yep. so it, it changes the game quite a bit mm-hmm yeah, that's 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 a good breakdown because uh, I think it's all species related, and I know we wanted to cover the sheep part of that too. Uh, Corey, you have some other ones here, but the one I I want to touch on was showmanship styles, and uh, you did judge the showmanship contest there at the Buckeye Livestock Expo, and I know that's not your only one, uh, but let's talk about how some of these sheep showmen. Uh, their styles, their differences, maybe one that you prefer over the others to make those when we get to the big ring, look the part, maybe some do's, some don'ts. Yeah, that, that's a that's a neat question. And I think as, uh, you know, as I've even sat down with different judges, uh, you know, different guys that I respect quite a bit and ask that question, you know, and you'll get people that are steadfast that are really despise these kids getting down so low. I mean, you squat down really, really low and get into them. And then you got kids that want to stand straight up. Uh, personally, I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, I don't, uh, I tell folks, and I believe this even when working with my son at home, a little bit of it depends on the sheep and or the goat and what makes them look the best. Um, and now I, I, I'm probably, it does aggravate me a little bit when you see those kids get so low that their legs are shaking and they can't hardly stand up. You know, everybody's seen them and their foot shoved out there and they're kicking the lamb beside of them. I'm probably not all keen on that. I mean, I'll just be honest, but at the same time, um, 
those kids that want to get low, if they're able to do that, and be relaxed and keep those sheep where they need to be. I'm okay with it. I mean, at the same time, I've used showman um, at the biggest level. I used a young man to win Louisville showmanship a few years ago, and he was more upright in his position. And I thought he just showed the wheels off one. And so I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know that I'm steadfast in that. I think uh, I've seen kids that, uh, can show them good standing up and, and, and some of them's down. Now you put a kid like me when I was showing sheep when I was in high school and I was six foot four. I mean, I had to get low because I mean, that you know, sheep would be at my knees. It seemed like so. Uh, and it was very, it depends on the kid, you know, I, uh, that sounds so weird, but you know, though you see those shorter kids that get lower that, that those sheep look okay, but them older kids, they get low, them, particularly them big guys, you know, see guys all the time get real low. And then they look so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and so just unpleasant. I'm, I'm probably not not keen on that, I guess I would say. I, I think you need to be in some position where your sheep look good, first and foremost. That's what showmanship is. But secondly, you do it in the most comfortable possible way that you're not walking out of the ring, can't stand up, or your legs are cramped up, or you're falling over in the ring, those kinds of things. That That's not good for anybody. I, I yep. will say a little side note here. It is kind of funny to watch uh, six foot six Corey Edge brace a lamb. I, I, I've i never had that problem because I'm a little guy. And uh, the two years that I showed sheep, it was just kind of knee at the point of the shoulder. That's just where it was. So, <laughs> hey, listen, picture day. We got we got a nice, you know, 16, 17 year old girl to come out and help us. And she braced them all up. And I just sat behind the camera. There so. you go. Smart man. I, uh, I I don't. Uh, you're right. I don't. I don't probably try to get on the front end of one as <laughs> as little as I have to. I can do it, but uh, not for long periods of time. So there is uh, there is some some tall kids out there showing at a big level that I just I don't know how they do it. Uh, okay. So the next thing here on the breakdown, uh, two things. One of which is a is kind of a fitting thing, and I don't know if I'm like maybe got a. It's not necessarily a pet peeve of mine, but I think if they're good enough, they shouldn't have it. But flank wool, like to have like to get your opinion on flank wool. You know, you talk about bottom line shape and and just where they need to be at for for lower belly and flanks. And you know, I think some people can fit one in and it looks okay, but uh, boy, some of them things just get a little out there for me. 90% of the people that leave flank wool on them, they look terrible in the ring. They make the sheep look worse because as a judge, when you see them walk in and they got all that extra flank wool, we're going, well, there's a bad underlying one. Yep. I mean, it's like a star going off and, hey, look at me, this is bad. <laughs> and now, with that being said, there's 10% of folks that can leave a flank wool in them and make them look really, really cool. I mean, so, you know, whether now, if you're out there, I'm not telling you you're in the 10% or the 90%. That's your decision to make there. <laughs> but uh, I do think that uh, as personal, I will tell you at home when my boys sheep hit the stand and we're shearing them, we're going to take it all off. We're going to just take the belly wool off of them and, and go with it. Now, I've used sheep that I thought were incredible that had a little flank wool in them. And I picked on some and called them out in the ring because I thought they had way too much of it. So, I, you know, to say I'm a steadfast against it, I'm probably – I'm not going to beat a sheet that I think's really good. I mean, I think the one I used this weekend, the went up there might add a little belly wool on him. And uh, I don't think he would – I mean, that thing was incredible. So I'm not against it and not going to beat him up over it. But 
particularly them folks that leave it and make a big like a square underneath their bellies. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that that's just not the way their bellies are made. They're not going to be square. That looks dumb. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm kind of against that then personally. But uh, you yeah. know, same thing with leaving a bunch of wool up over for me way up over their knees, you know, trying to thinking they're making their forearms looking bigger, leaving a bunch of wool up there. I think that looks terrible. I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I think the key to that is taking it down. You see these guys that can fit one and these guys that know how to fit a sheet nowadays. I mean, they're no different than the guys in the cattle barn fitting them things. I mean, they can pimp one out and get their legs done up. And, uh, but I think, you know, we want that shape to their form. I'm not big on that wool way up over their hock or, uh, I'm, I'm just, I like it blended down tight and carved in and let's go with it and make them look good, you know? Yep. I, uh, the, the 90, 10, uh, I'm way in on that. So folks out there have some self-awareness, know where you're at on belly wool fitting, uh, expertise. And, uh, if you think you just need to do it, you better go ask somebody else if you need to do it and then make sure that they check how good of a job you did. <laughs> uh, because I promise you, uh, a bad, a bad belly fit job is probably one of the top, top, probably the top three worst things you can do. If you're going to show under me, <laughs> I will say that because you already know, like you said, Brent, that they probably just aren't good enough there. And that's the reason you left it in. Uh, don't do it because it's a trend. Do it. You know, if, if you're really going to fit one in there, just make sure it looks right. I'll get off my soapbox. Anyway, uh, next thing, uh, probably the last thing here um, is frame size and sheet. You know, we talked to, they get, they get moderate and then, you know, maybe we're sheeting these older sheet, get a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, sometimes somewhere in between is, is, uh, you know, you never kind of know where you're going to be at, but you know, with the, the dwarf gene and everything, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, where do you sit frame size wise? Obviously, the sheep got to be good no matter what what size they are. But where are you kind of at on that? So you know, it's it's kind of the way I put this in the terms for people. When I talk, I, we do a lot of clinics for kids, and I actually got one here tonight uh, later on this evening. I'm going to do, but uh, I tell folks when you know I, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm six foot five, and I weigh 270 pounds. You know, I'm I'm a big. I like to eat, and life's good on my end. Now you take that same 270 pounds, and I, I look big, but you put 270 pounds on a guy that's five foot eight, and tell me what he looks like. So it's somewhat of it is proportional to what the you know what they look like. You know, I mean, if I weigh two, if I weighed 180 pounds, man, you would think. I mean, I was dying. I mean, that's just what would happen. I mean, with all this extra frame, I call it, I'm just pretty stout featured is what I am. I like to say that about the extra bone work, but you know, it's, uh, so it depends on the animal first, but from an industry standpoint, it's, it's, it's neat to watch this sheet thing change. You know, I was there at OIE a couple of years ago when this, all this dwarf testing was coming out, you know, it's, they were in the, you know, Oklahoma state was doing a lot of the work on this. They were on the cutting edge and did the work behind this and they was, uh, a lot of talk about that. Could you visually evaluate a sheep and make, you know, very confidently say that one's a carrier or that one's not. And, uh, you know, I think as we see the testing increased, you know, sometimes obviously you can tell the true dwarfs. I mean, that's not, it doesn't take an expert to do that. Um, but there's some of these sheep that'll just fool you, you know, from that standpoint on the testing standpoint, the bucks that are testing clean, the ones that aren't testing clean. And, and, and my other thing is just how, how important is is that in the in the grand scheme of things and and from a standpoint of true frame size 
you know, I, I'm, I grew up in the market land game. I'll be honest, that's where I grew up at. So that's kind of my thing. Uh, so frame size is, is, is probably not as, I'm, I'm probably not as big on the, the big ones as some people. I, I moderate is plenty good enough for me. Yeah, that's, I like the proportionality thing because, uh, you know, they, they have to match. Their body has to match their frame. And, and like you said, it's not the, uh, one or, or the other. It's got to be uh, all together. So um, that that's that's intriguing. Hold up. Wait a minute. Have you ever considered legacy livestock imaging as a source for your business or company to utilize to get some high quality photos no well you should i'm talking to you that person that just wondered what the heck i was talking about go to legacylivestockimaging.com and check out their corporate clients tab scroll through the photos there's an incredible amount of high-end customers that work with the great folks at Legacy Livestock Imaging. Get a hold of Heidi Anderson. We cannot wait for what we have coming down the pipe with them and just putting some creative stuff together. But if you've got a livestock show coming up, backdrop pictures, you need to, to picture your breads later here this year, let us know. And then we will get you hooked up with Heidi, or you could probably just go to her because it'll be easier. But anyway, check out LegacyLivestockImaging.com today for all your imaging needs. Back to the show. Uh, I want to touch on a little bit of uh, of a more personal and professional side of what we've been talking about. Uh, and and I heard you talk there at the Buckeye Livestock Expo where North Carolina has been shut down for quite some time, more so than what we're used to up here uh, in the Midwest. So explain to us how it's kind of been pushing forward, both trying to get your sheep marketed and, and professional life. I heard you say there's not much... Uh, youth involvement going on now. So what's that kind of been like uh, with with the COVID shutdown going on? Well, I'll start with the the, the, the job and the youth involvement. So I do work with cooperative extension. It's what I do for a living. And, and, and we're still no face-to-face programs at this time with youth. And it's probably going to be somewhere in the end of July before we start back and uh, depending on what our governor does. So We've done several virtual events. We've done judging clinics and skeleton clinics, and we did a virtual livestock show for those kids uh, back in April, and 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 that uh, that was good. And and we've done some of those things, but uh, I think we all, from that aspect, from a, from my career aspect, we we jumped on board and realized we need to do something to keep these young people involved. And uh, as time has gone on, that's getting more challenging. Plus, it's the summertime now. I mean, kids are, you know, taking their, their typical summer vacations and none of those things. So we're losing some participation. And it has been a struggle. Now, any time when you're in a job, when I tell folks, the biggest part of my job is I serve as an event planner. I plan uh, contests. I plan clinics. I plan shows. And when we take all that away and we don't have any of those anymore and we say, well, you know, what are we doing? You know, how do we do that? So it's, it's, it's real challenging there from that aspect of, uh, from my career, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of support in my office. I have a great department head and, and it's helped and I have great advisory council. We've worked through it and we're trying to, to continue on and, and we're doing some things and, and hopefully it'll continue to get better. Now from like a personal life aspect, as I mentioned, I got two little boys and uh, particularly my nine-year-old who was in the third grade, 
Uh, now, it's a challenge for a nine-year-old to all of a sudden is going to school every day and, and, and normal life as he knows it all of a sudden is, is kind of over and, 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 and he's not seeing his buddies and he's home with mom and dad because we're not going to work. We can't go into offices and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, I think long term when this is all said and done, we look back at 2020 uh, years from now we're going to worry about some of the mental health aspects of this. I really do. I mean, from a, you know, economy aspect, I think we haven't seen truly what that's going to do for a few more years. It's going to get some bumps in the road, but the young people like my son included, it's going to be a challenge. And that's, you know, what made it unique because in March, when this all started in April, I had just call after call every day. Somebody would say, well, you know, what's the state fair going to do? What's the, what are we, are we going to have livestock shows? Why should we buy animals? Should we buy animals? And every time I'd say, absolutely. If you got the financial means to buy an animal, you need to buy it. And I tell folks, it's the best thing we did at our house because my boy had something to do twice a day. And, and, and because of that, you know, I've watched him as a nine-year-old do chores twice a day. He worked his animals. He has been way more involved this year. I mean, not that he wasn't before, but just more involved and more in the day-to-day activities and understanding what needs to be done than ever before. So I think from a personal life aspect, it's been, you know, positive from him learning those things and being involved there. You know, it's given us more time at home with my wife and family to kind of reflect on those things and be involved and and understand that, uh, hey, there may not be a show to go to, but but we'd learn a lot at home doing this together and, and, and those things no different than a kid in the backyard throwing a baseball with his dad or, you know, his mom or doing those things. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's certainly been a challenge, but hopefully uh, I, 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 days I wonder if we see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. Some days I think we do. Some days I don't. Um, I will tell you, though, I, I've got several shows to judge this fall and I've been buying plane tickets and and most of them are saying we're going on with it. They're going to make them work. And, you know, these livestock folks are dedicated and they're, they're, they're tried and true. And just like you guys were with that show last weekend, that, that, that's, uh, those things are important for these young people and an opportunity to showcase their efforts. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a challenging few months, but, uh, I, I like to think that we, we're going, we're going to get out of this sooner or later. Now, whether or not that's in a week or a month or, or six months or maybe a year from now, I don't know. And, uh, what that looks like then, but, uh, it's certainly been some challenging times, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 I'm very fortunate. Now my four year old, he don't care if the sun comes up tomorrow. So he ain't worried <laughs> about life in general. I mean, he, he's just, if you give him, get out of his way, cause he's going to jump on you and smack you in the head. And, I mean, he's <laughs> life. But my nine year old, he, he, it's been a little more fun. It's been fun for all of us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is true though. Uh, I've seen livestock out of the barn a month and a half earlier than what they would have been in years past because volleyball, baseball, softball, every sport's done. Let's get with the livestock. And that's been actually very, very beneficial uh, to a lot of folks. That's cool to see your nine-year-old doing that, uh, kind of taking ownership, but even more so in in some things. So, so Corey, I think uh, we lost you there for just a couple minutes uh, thunderstorm rolling through uh, central Indiana there, but I just stuck you with the last question, bud. So there you go. That. Thank you very much. Um, it's a uh, it's a pleasure. No, uh, one of the things too before before we get to that is it makes you wonder with with everybody, you know, having kind of a maybe slower start to the year, slower summer, just how 
competitive these big ones are going to be in the fall. Like they, these guys have had so much more extra time. Not, I mean, they already hustled and get after it anyways. The ones that, the ones that are going to kind of be competitive there, but you know, think about just the opportunity they've had to really dial in here uh, for the second half of the year. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to go to those shows and, and, you know, fingers crossed we have them, but that is just kind of something I thought of Brent when you're mentioning, you know, just kind of that extra time you spend in there and, and people are the people that are serious about this deal are still buying stock. No question. And, and they're still, you know, doing chores twice a day or three times, four times a day. If you have cattle and need to rinse and in, in hot weather, but um, that, that to me, I think is going to be really kind of neat to see here this fall, how we, how we really come out of it here. Um, so last question we ask every guest is uh, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while being involved in the show stock industry? Oh, that's, you know, and I I thought about that a lot. The biggest lessons I've learned, probably first and foremost, are the people that are involved in this industry are amazing. I I will say that. And I'll be the first one to admit, there's times I've judged shows and somebody's not been happy or they've called me an idiot. I, I mean, I, you know, there, there is those very few instances, but the, to, to watch the young people that come to the ring and, and the life lessons they learn. I mean, I truly believe that we're having a strong impact on the young people. We're, we got, it's one of the, if not the best program for young people to be involved in, you know, the, the lessons they learn and, and, and being able to watch young people from the time they're small and get involved and watching particularly families that may not come from a livestock background would go out and buy that first lamb or pig or goat and then take him home and then get involved and then the wheels start turning and they they go from the county fair to the regional show to the jackpot show to the state fair to Louisville or wherever it may be um that's fun to watch man and 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 to understand that uh you know that those decisions that these people make with their kids you know, as a parent, the things that you do now is going to have, when they look back and your child looks back in their age or, you know, in their thirties or forties or fifties, and they look back at what they did as a childhood, those are the things they're going to remember. You know, when they went to a show with their dad or, you know, those are the things that I remember when I went to shows with my family and, and, and the different things. And, and so that aspect of it and, and how these people just stick behind each other. We, we, we lost a, a great person here in, in North Carolina in the last week that was very involved, a gentleman that, that was involved with a lot of young people and supported a lot of kids. And, you know, actually I was flying back, so I wasn't able to attend his funeral and, and I would have, you know, and I'm certain he had lots of support there because, um, you know, this industry stands behind each other. And that's what I will say is probably the, the true life lesson. And it doesn't matter I tell folks, if I'm driving down the road and I'm going through Ohio, I know somebody that I could probably call or Indiana or Iowa. If I break down and I need help, people will support you. They'll see your livestock trailer and they'll stop and say, hey, can I help you? You know, and that's what uh, that's what this industry does and, and, and gives young people an opportunity to be successful. Um, and, and, you know, I, no matter how you go from here, I got a brother that's uh, that was a showed livestock growing up. That's a lawyer now. He doesn't care nothing about uh, showing livestock today, but it helped him. And he'll tell you to this day that it, all those programs of being on a judging team and making decisions and being able to talk effectively has helped him in the career path that he took. So not everybody goes and works in extension or as an ag teacher, and still these programs can have lasting effects on them. So 
you know, that's the things I guess I will cherish and continue to, as I watch these young people now after being here the amount of time I have, those are things that have a true impact on me is watching these young people from one generation to the next. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. The people are the best. That's, there's no way around it. And, uh, yeah, boy, I, I agree one, 100%. So, uh, well, I know you've got a busy evening ahead and uh, we truly appreciate you jumping on and uh, doing a quick turnaround. Uh, it was nice seeing you there up in uh, Millersburg, Ohio for the Buckeye Livestock Expo and hope to see you at the next big one. You bet. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I, I just want to say, uh, you know, as, I, as you judge shows, you always give that last talk at the end of the day. Everybody's got the big words of wisdom and you always forget about the things that are important to you the most. And I just want to say uh, thank you to all the folks that have helped me. And, and in particular, you know, you guys are young still, but you're going to understand the importance of this. And I hope you choose wisely because I got a wife at home that does a ton for me. And I, and I, I don't often thank her enough. So I probably need to take this opportunity to at least thank her. Uh, my wife, Allison, I mean, heck, you guys even mentioned, I, I think, uh, September, I got a show every weekend. I think I got something like, uh, I don't even want to, let's not talk about how many, but I got several in the next couple of months I'm going to do. And, and she has never once said no. She's never once said, you're not going to do that. I can't take care of the boys. I mean, I leave and we have directions on what to feed. And she didn't grow up in agriculture. I mean, my wife was not a, a farm girl. And, and I mean, she takes the bull by the horns and man, she's way tougher than I am. So I do want to just take this opportunity to thank her and, and my two boys. I got Zayden Carter at home and man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in a lot of ways. And I appreciate you guys having me this evening and, uh, and what you guys are doing. I enjoy it. My, my wife will tell you, as I said, she's not a ag person historically, but she was an ag teacher for, for a while, for 12 years and now works with our state FFA staff. So, um, well, I listen to you guys every time we make a road trip. I think she gets tired of some of the things I listen to, but I do enjoy it. And, uh, and man, it helps the day go by when you're uh, riding down the interstate listening to y'all. I, I enjoy it immensely. So appreciate what you guys are doing. We appreciate you uh, being part of part of what we're doing here and uh, look forward to chatting with you and sitting down at, at the next show and catching up. So uh, tell your family we said hi and uh, best of luck the rest of the summer. Hey, sounds great. Sounds great. We'll see you in the state of Indiana here, maybe there in 1st of September, sounds like. So look forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Y'all guys take care. Have a good evening. We'll Thanks, see you, Brett. you too. Uh, love the guy's accent. Oh, yeah. 100%. But better yet, he's just a good dude. I mean, we, we get him on here all the time, and we say this often. But seriously, like a guy that just stops and thanks his family just for being his family. Yeah. Got to love it. Yep, we should we should all probably do that a little bit more often, no doubt about it. Man, uh, it, you know, uh, yesterday was our last day to collect donations uh, for pancreatic cancer research, and uh, warmed my heart seeing uh, some some names that popped up, and uh, like to give uh, a shout out to everybody that donated on behalf of. Trevor's fiance, Emily's mom, Melinda Hensroth. Uh, what a what an awesome way to give back, and uh, we are very appreciative and thankful for all of you that took time to do that. And um, we know these can be maybe challenging financial times for some people, and yet 
you you guys should chose to show up. So that was very very cool, and it brought a tear to Emily's eye. And uh, she, I kind of updated her as somebody would send in uh, their donation. Now, uh, what we're doing is we're just going to cut that one check. I'll probably post it or do a little quick video or something once we get that totaled up, and we will send one check to the American Cancer Society. Now, that does not mean since our we're, we are done collecting donations, if you feel the need, the American Cancer Society is a wonderful place uh, that covers all kinds of donations. So, um, you know, all, their donations always are needed. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has done that. Uh, it, was, it was awesome, awesome to see. So, Absolutely. Uh, well, Jeff, uh, you mentioned the beginning of the episode. We're going to be in Des Moines. That's right. Hope, uh, hope to see some of you guys there. If you see us, uh, it's likely we'll be wearing something with our you'll, brains on. You'll know. So, or just our ugly us. faces. Oh, before yeah. we do leave this week, Corey and I are working diligently, and it's very slow and tedious process of diving into all of the letters and videos of those of you who submitted your Build Your Legacy Scholarship submissions. Oh, yeah. We, we want to get sure. this right. So it's going to take a little bit. We'll promise to get you a selection date here before long, but we didn't want to put that out there because honestly, you guys are freaking awesome. <laughs> so yeah. it's taken a while, but not, it's not fair for us, honestly. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing. You guys are awesome. Thanks to everybody who did that too, sending those in, but we will get you a winner before long, uh, but we want to get this right. We want to make sure we study every word that uh, that you amazing young people sent in. So with that, uh, we'll see you in Des Moines if you've uh, listened to this the first full week of July. Everybody have an amazing 4th of July weekend. We live in a great free country, and don't forget that. Be safe, be blessed, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>